Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... So many people in our world think that God looks at what we do. Some people think, well, he looks at it and I guess he's happy with it. Other people look at it and say, well, not me. He's disappointed with it. Other people say, well, he looks at me and he just doesn't care. We wander around in our lives and we're just wondering how good is good enough. I mean, whenever I talk to anybody who's really proud about their spiritual accomplishments, I always go, how do you know it's enough? I mean, how do you know? The apostles were martyrs. Have you died for your faith lately? <laughs> Do you feel like, or did you ever feel like, you need a jumpstart in life? Have you ever felt weak and you needed more strength and power? If that's you, and we are sure that's most of us, then our new study in the book of Ephesians is for you. Written by the apostle Paul is a letter of wonder and worship filled with stunning passages to renew or maybe even jumpstart your faith. In fact, in chapter 3, the Apostle Paul calls what we will be studying in the weeks to come the unsearchable, or some versions say, the incalculable riches of Christ. To get started, let's join Pastor Jim in Ephesians chapter 1 for an introduction. Well, almost all of us have had this experience. If you haven't had it yet, you will. And it is the experience of your car battery dying. Always happens at the worst time, isn't it? Seem that way? I've come to the conclusion in my life that it's always the worst time. <laughs> like everything happens. I'm like, why now? And I'm like, that would have never been a good time for this. And so when your battery dies, you need a, you need a jump start. In this day and age, a lot of people just call somebody. They can be there in 10 minutes. That's the way a lot of people go about it. You need power from another source. Now, those of you who are like hyper into cars, you're like, I don't need any help from anybody. I got all this. I bet you've often wished that your car had more power. And those of you who wish that your car had more power, uh, a lot of you would probably love to get an engine overhaul. I'm going to be honest with you about something. Because virtually every Christian, and if you haven't, you will sometime, comes to the same place in their life when they feel like they need a jump start when they feel like they need more power, when they feel like they need an overhaul. If that's you, then I know it's me. If we want true heart change, in the weeks to come, I believe that the book of Ephesians will do it for you. It is a a letter of wonder and worship. Some of the things that he is going to say are so otherworldly that without the help of the Spirit of God, it will be very, very difficult to even grasp what he is talking about. This book, this letter is filled with stunning passages to give you an incredible view of what awaits the believer of what God has done for the believer. 
And it will be a book that will improve our spiritual health and I also believe will improve the spiritual health of our church. Not that I think that there's anything so wrong with us, but we all need to be better, don't we? But what if you're here and you're not a Christian? Well, you have to leave right now. I'm sorry. This is one of those things. No, 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 no. Not at all. I, I didn't become a Christian until I was 29. So it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I lived most of my life. Well, not, actually not now most of my life. But I lived the first half of my life not, not being a Christian. And I think that Ephesians is a great letter. We'll talk more about what we mean by letter and book as we go along. And, and, and it's the same, same thing. It, it will give you a concise summary of the gospel. Stick with it and you will really understand this word gospel. You will understand what we call the good news of Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ has done for us, and we will all get a picture of what true Christian living looks like. And so it is a letter, but sometimes we refer to them as books. It's a letter the Apostle Paul is writing to a church. So let's begin by asking, why study Ephesians? Now, some of you go, well, you just finished Galatians. It's the next page. That's why, well, that's why you did it. And that is part of the reason. But, but one thing about the book of Ephesians that I can guarantee you is if you stick with it, is it will deepen our understanding, your specific understanding of the gospel. Without a doubt. It will deepen your understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, that word deepen is very important because we live in a, in a, in a church culture right now where many people feel, and I'm not denying they could be right, that if the message is not so deep, more people will come. I'll concede they might be correct. But even a five-year-old knows that the deeper you dig, the deeper you get. (laughs) And it's so important that we dig deep. It's so important that we have depth in our Christian walk because if we don't have depth, what happens when bad things happen? We're out of town. We're gone. And depth changes people from the inside out. And I know that's what most of you want. Because if you didn't, you'd have eaten the free dinner and you'd have left. (laughs) But you stayed. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, the apostle Paul writes these words, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, we'll talk about that word in a bit, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles, those are non-Jews, he is primarily a missionary to the non-Jews in, uh, in the Roman Empire. And he says, I'm going to preach among the Gentiles, people who don't know anything about Jesus. So he, he was not afraid to go deep with people who don't know anything about Jesus. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Another version says this, the incalculable riches of Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that sound deep to you? That sounds pretty deep to me. And he wants us to to grasp 
that. I remember when I would hear these things when I first became a follower of Jesus, and I was just so shocked because it's not what I thought the Christian life was at all. Another thing that the letter to the Ephesians church is going to do for us is it's going to give us a proper view of the church. I don't know what your view of the church was. My view of the church is when I was young was, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, and here's all the people. That was kind of my, that was kind of my view of the church. If you're young and you don't know that, I'll do it slower for you after service. It's very tricky. It's one of those pen and teller kind of tricks that, you know, can you figure this out kind of things. And so it will deepen our understanding and give us a proper view of the church because God places an incredibly high view on the worshiping community of the people of God. Now, that's also very important. Why? Because in America, even most Christian churches don't place the high value on the worshiping community. They might place it on community, but mostly people place the high value on the individual and a lower value on the church. And when our value of the church is low, what happens to our thinking of the value of the worship of God? It goes low at the same time. We live in a land of options, and and many Christians uh, keep their options open until the last minute. That's not what God wants for your worship. God doesn't want you to be on Saturday night like, eh, there's nothing else to do tomorrow, might as well go to church. That's not worship. That's not worship. That's, hey, you got to come over at 12, we're doing this, and you're like, well, I have church, I'll see you at 1. That, that's, that's worship. Fair to say, I think, these days that the vast majority of people who call themselves Christians will, will easily skip the worship of God. Don't think of it in terms of just see your friends or, or what you're going to get out of it. Think of it as the worship of God. A lot of people will skip the worship of God for other things that come up. An interesting thing about Ephesians is this letter is very different than the other letters that the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament simply because of this. Most of the letters that he wrote are corrective. We call them around here, teaching the people in the church how to play nice in the sandbox. When there's people, there's problems. Have you noticed that? A lot of the letters in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul are correct of this. Problems going on in a church in Galatians. There was guys coming in with a false gospel, and he wrote to correct that problem. Ephesians is not really a corrective book. No, this is really more of what we might, uh, scholars call a, a, a circular letter. He writes to a church, but the idea is for them to take this letter and to copy it and to distribute copies to all of the other churches in the area so everyone is reading it, everyone is gleaning or learning from the Lord about how these deep mysteries of Christ are, these unsearchable riches of Christ. In that sense, it it is a very relatable letter to all of us. It is a timeless letter full of encouragement to a people that were being beaten up by the world. It's so interesting the way the Apostle Paul goes about encouraging us in this letter. 
He spends the whole first half of the letter essentially showing us Jesus and what he has done and what awaits us and burning the gospel, burning the good news of Jesus Christ into our weary souls. He follows a similar outline he does in other of his letters. Basically, the outline is this. The first half is teaching. We might call it doctrine. And then the second half is in light of the teaching, in light of the doctrine, in light of what we have just learned, how do we go out and live it out? He gives us reasons to worship. He takes us into heaven. He gives us reasons to pray. He teaches us not only how to be new creations, but how to live as new creations and how a church as the collective people of God live together as new creations. He shows us how to live as God's new people in our marriages. He shows us how to live as God's new people with our children. He shows us how to live as God's new people in our work. And he even shows us how to fight spiritual battles. And while this is no small thing in terms of eternity, I think this book is incredible for people who struggle with pride. If you think that you're really something else in the Christian life, get ready to come to the foot of the cross and feel small and feel loved and worship. And I think this is, book is so incredible for a lot of you who are plagued with guilt. You walk around so much of your day with either guilt of what you've done in the past or this low-level guilt of what you are not doing for God so many people in our world think that God looks at what we do. Some people think, well, he looks at it and I guess he's happy with it. Other people look at it and say, well, not me. He's disappointed with it. Other people say, well, he looks at me and he just doesn't care. We wander around in our lives and we're just wondering, how good is good enough? I mean, whenever I talk to anybody who's really proud about their spiritual accomplishments, I always go, how do you know it's enough? I mean, how do you know? The apostles were martyrs. Have you died for your faith lately? <laughs> but what, what Paul does is he, he takes three chapters, and for almost all the first three chapters, he talks about what Jesus has done. And if you struggle with pride, you'll realize it really doesn't matter what you've done. And if you struggle with guilt, you realize it doesn't really matter what you've done. You will stand in awe of what Jesus has done. And you won't ask your question, how good is good enough? Because you will know that what Jesus has done is more than enough. And then when we know what Jesus has done for us, we live out of that. 
We don't live out of what we do. We live out of what Jesus has done for us. And what he is going to teach us is so incredible. Is something that you could never do yourself. You'll either walk out that door and say, I don't believe that Bible. Or you will say, who am I that you would love me so much and do that for me? So let's jump in and with a few basics and set our course. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Let's stop right there. You're saying, Jim, you haven't even gotten through one verse yet. Typical of a culture, of this culture, he begins with his letter. He begins his letter with his name. You know, we usually sign ours at the end. Now we have email and other texting. It gives, the, gives our name on the front end. But back in the old days, some of you young people, people used to take these things called pens and paper and write these things called letters and put an address and a stamp on it and put it in the post box. Now I know you call that snail mail or junk mail. So, so what does he do here? He addresses the envelope. This is what he's doing here. He's addressing the envelope, and, he, and, 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 he, and he's saying, you know, he's, he's, he's starting the letter, and he's going to write to these, these people in Ephesus. And so he starts with Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, later on, we will discuss the calling of the, the people in the church in Ephesus, we call them the Ephesians. We will talk about our calling. But here, the Apostle Paul tells us about his calling. And he tells us something about his calling that is different than your and my calling. We are all called to be followers of Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you are called to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He's calling right now. And, and so his is different because his calling comes with what we call apostolic authority. In other words, he's not bragging. If you, as we go in the letter, you're going to see he's not bragging. He is in awe of this Savior. He is telling us that he is Christ's authorized and spirit-empowered witness to proclaim the word of God. Now, in, in this sense, every follower of Jesus is apostolic. We're actually going to talk about how we participate in Jesus' ministry and mission this coming Sunday. And, and so every follower of Jesus is, in essence, apostolic. What do I mean by that? Like the Apostle Paul, we are chosen. We will be talking about what it means to be chosen by God in the next few weeks. We are, we are called, we are sent to bring the good news to the world. So you say, I, I don't know what to say. And the Apostle Paul would say to you, hold on, easy. I'm going to give you almost three chapters of some of the most glorious stuff you have ever heard in your life. Your heart will be brimming. It will be overflowing. You, you, people will be like, you're like that goofy pastor at your church. You just don't shut up. You see, the Apostle Paul was very clear, if you know anything about his life. He, 
he met the risen Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sins. He was put in a tomb. He rose from the dead. Uh, he ascended into heaven. And then the Apostle Paul became an enemy of the church. We'll talk about that in a minute. And, and he was on his way to Damascus to arrest some people. And he meets the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, if you're taking notes. What does that mean? He wasn't a volunteer. Jesus struck him down. In in our study in Galatians, he taught us that the church didn't appoint him. He said, Jesus chose him and taught him the gospel. Now you say, anybody can say that. Anybody could, could make such a claim. And he proved to us why he wasn't just anybody and he was chosen by Jesus. So, Here we read, although I would say better with the Bible than to read the Bible is to hear the Bible. And I'm not necessarily saying, well, you got to have it in your car on your, you know, on your phone or something like that. That's okay. But to listen to the Bible, we hear the Apostle Paul speaking to us, not with an informed opinion from a very gifted missionary, but as one who writes with the authority of heaven. One whose very pen, as Peter says, men moved by the Spirit wrote the Scriptures. Moved by the Holy Spirit wrote the Scriptures. And so here we have this man speaking with God's authority. As we say, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. So you need a little more evidence. We'll we'll take a little bit more evidence. Prior to this meeting on the road to Damascus uh, with the risen Christ, the uh, Apostle Paul was known then as Saul of Tarsus. He was an up and rising star in Judaism, and, and that every, being, being the religious elite was everything in that culture. And interesting, his name was Saul. I, I, I focused, when I was away on vacation, I focused on the books of First and Second Samuel. And so I, I was looking at Saul a lot, and Saul was the, he was the king that the people wanted. They didn't have a king, and then and the, and the, the people said to Samuel, we want, a, we want a king like the other nations. So they picked the tall, good-looking guy, and Saul was the, was the mighty, strong king. It's the name of pride and and. and Probably didn't bother Saul that he had the same name. And and Saul of Tarsus hated Christians. He hated churches. You could say this, that the apostle Paul, who when he was Saul of Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus was the appointed persecutor. I spent a a pretty good amount of time on my vacation listening to a a guy who, if your faith is not strong, I would not recommend you listening to. Um, uh, His name is Sam Harris. And Sam Harris is a a neuroscientist who's an atheist debater. So I I always like to hear the arguments of the... uh, of the opposition, if you will, or the other side. I wouldn't consider it opposition. Uh, I think debating is kind of silly. I think we should be geared more towards discussions than debating in this culture in which we live in. And, um, and Sam Harris, he needs to understand Christianity better. You should always understand your opponent's position better. 
But one of the things that he says over and over again that is very true is people who think they are doing things in the name of God can be very dangerous. And that is true. That is true. There's another name we have for that. We call it terrorism, right? You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.